Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. What's going on, Local Church? Hey, thank you for tuning in with us today. My name is Tyler, and I'm so pumped to be hanging out with you guys, to be celebrating Christmas less than a week away. Are you ready? I have one gift left, so I'm feeling pretty good, feeling pretty confident. Um, We'll see how it goes. What else is going on in my life that I should tell you about? Mm, I'm gonna see Spider-Man. By the time you will have watched this, I will have seen Spider-Man. Pretty excited about that. Um, I'm ready to gain like five pounds over the next two weeks. I think it's a pretty good recap. Let's dive in today. We've been in a series called A God Who Came Close. In the last two weeks, Levi has just done a phenomenal job talking about God the Father, and then last week, Jesus the Son. So this week, I'm pumped because I get to hang out with you guys and chat about the Holy Spirit. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. We've read this the last two weeks, and I want to read it again. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you came close, that you drew near to us. So we, for the next couple of minutes, God, draw near to you. We ask that you'd speak to us. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now I'm a, I'm a big movie guy. I love it. I think probably like the, the second or third most used app on my phone has to be IMDb. I love it. If I'm watching a movie or TV show, I'm opening that up, seeing who's in it. And uh, I love the Oscars every year. I love, man, the glitz and glam of it, the outfits. It's all super cool. I love it, the performances. And, and I've, I've noticed uh, the last couple of years um, kind of this, this interesting thing happening with the, you know, the, the best actor in a leading role and the best actor in a supporting role. Um, and this, this really uh, hit me last, uh, last couple of years ago, you know, 2020, when Brad Pitt, the one and only Mr. Brad Pitt, was nominated and won, as I believe he should have, for his role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, the category that he was nominated for was actor in a supporting role. And what I found really interesting is that uh, the actor, one of the actors in the category for best actor in a leading role was his co-star in the movie, Leo DiCaprio, another great actor, one of the goats. He's, he's a boss. But what's crazy is that when it came to actual screen time, Leo had only six more minutes than him. Uh, Brad Pitt had 55 minutes and 12 seconds. And Leo just beat him by six minutes. And if I think back, to be totally honest, I remember way more of Brad's parts in the movie. Justice for Brad. That's what I'm believing for. And and I wonder, you know, sometimes if when it comes to the Holy Spirit, if we kind of give him the same treatment, you know, like Brad gets best supporting actor, but he probably could have also, probably could have also gotten nominated and been in the category for best actor. But the Holy Spirit, you know, I feel like sometimes we, we give him the same sort of treatment when it comes to the story of the Bible or when it comes to the story 
of our faith. We treat him as a supporting character, as a guest star. Worst case scenario, an unaccredited extra, the one you have to scroll a whole bunch through to find them on IMDb. But the reality is that that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, the Holy Spirit is at work from the very beginning of the story until the very end. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the, spirit was, now the earth sorry, was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Right there in the first chapter, the second verse, right at the beginning of the whole story, the Spirit of God is there. The Spirit enabled Joseph to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. The Spirit gave wisdom for the building of the tabernacle of Moses. The Spirit equipped Gideon and Jephthah and Samson as judges and heroes of Israel. The Spirit was upon David as king, as prophet, and as psalmist. The Spirit came upon the prophets as they declared the word of the Lord. The Spirit came upon Mary and her womb was filled with the Savior of the world. In Acts 2, the Spirit came in power upon those in the upper room and the church of Christ was born and the newfound body of, of Christ burst onto the scene and started performing miracles and forever changed the world. It was the Spirit who inspired the apostles to write the New Testament. And right at the end, the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, it says in verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. From the very start to the very end, from the first page to the last, the Spirit of God has been there. He's always been at work. And He's still at work today. So we, we should spend just as much time and energy leaning into who the Holy Spirit is and what He does as we do the Father and the Son. In fact, Jesus says this in John chapter 16. But now I am going to Him who sent me. He's going back to the Father. This is, he, he's letting His disciples know what's about to happen. I am now going to Him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Now, when we read this verse, we have to wrestle with the reality of what Jesus has just said. He has just said that we are better off with the Holy Spirit, our helper, the one He has sent us, we are better off with the Holy Spirit than with a face-to-face -face interaction with Jesus. That's wild. The disciples couldn't believe it. I don't know that, that we could either. If, if we had the chance between interacting, having a conversation with Jesus Christ in the flesh, I think most of us would be like, that. yeah, I pick that every single time. But yet, here in this verse, Jesus is saying, it's better that I go, that I go back to my Father because the Helper is coming your way. It's to your advantage. We have to lean into that. We have to acknowledge that. The thing about the Holy Spirit, though, is that unlike the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit can be a little bit mysterious sometimes, can He? 
And I want us to, to get today together to, to lean into the mystery. I want us to lean into the mystery together today. And I want to do my very best to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. So, first off, if you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit is co-equal with God and Jesus. You know, as, as Levi has said the last three weeks, our God is three in one. Part of our Christian faith is that we believe in one God, one creator, and one supreme being, but we believe that he's three in one. Francis Chan says this, the point is not to completely understand God, but to worship him. Let the fact that you cannot know him fully lead you to praise him for his infiniteness and grandeur. Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan. This is what we read earlier. To be baptized by John. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And then a voice from heaven, there's the Father, said, This is my Son, whom I love and with I am well pleased. Here in this verse, we see our three-in-one God at work together, all together there, at, at work and, the, and as the disciples are being sent out in another place, it says this in Matthew chapter 28, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. These verses are, are, are letting us know, are telling us that our God is three in one and that He works together with Himself to accomplish the things that He's accomplishing. Our three-in-one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all co-equal. The Holy Spirit, He's co-equal with the Father and with the Son. I mean, after all, He is the Holy Spirit. He is divine, just as the Father and Son are. The same attributes are ascribed to Him as, as they are to the Father and Son all throughout Scripture. In Acts chapter 5, he's called God. Hebrews 9, he's eternal. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present. The Holy Spirit is co-equal with God and with Jesus. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit performs divine acts. He was active in the creation of the world, in the inspiration of the Scripture, in the regeneration of fallen man, and the resurrection of the body. Kevin Connor says this, the Holy Spirit is seen by Scripture as being God. He's the third person of the triune, eternal Godhead. And as God, the Holy Spirit is co-eternal, co-existent, and co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. The Bible reveals one God existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, distinguishable but indivisible. Now, what, what does this mean? What does it mean that the Holy Spirit is co-equal with, with God and He's co-equal with Jesus? Well, really simply, it means that the Holy Spirit is by no means a side character. He is God, co-equal. Co-equal with God the Father, co-equal with God the Son. And the Holy Spirit, He's worthy of our attention. He's worthy of our admiration and He's worthy of our desire. Next up, number two, the Holy Spirit is a person. 
The Holy Spirit is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the divine being of the Holy Spirit, He's also a person. A definition of the Holy Spirit that I really, really love is God's personal presence. God, God made His holy, majestic, wonderful presence personal. The Holy Spirit is a person. John 16 Verses 13 through 15 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore, I say that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Maybe one of the most obvious things in this passage as we read it, as we just use our eyes and we look at it, maybe the most obvious thing is that the scriptures do not describe the spirit as an it, but as a he. Not as an it, but as a person. All throughout the Bible, he's spoken of as having personal qualities. The Holy Spirit has a mind, a will, and emotions He's spoken of of having personal feelings. The Holy Spirit grieves. The Holy Spirit can be insulted. He can be lied to. And these are just things that an, in, uh, an, an impersonal influence or power just, you know, don't have. We don't say to ourselves, oh, gravity, gravity's really angry today. Oh, man, gravity just, man, what? They're in a mood. Whoo, sheesh. These magnets, I don't know what their deal is, man, but like, Man, sheesh, these magnets. No, 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 no. These things, they're just forces. They're not personal. They don't have personal feelings. They don't have a mind, a will, or emotions. Acts chapter 8. This is a really, a really interesting and kind of funny story. It says, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery. Harry Potter is making, making an appearance in, in Scripture here. In the city, a man named Simon who had practiced sorcery, was in the city, and he amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, this guy, and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought that you could buy the gift of God with money. This guy, trying to, you know, send an e-transfer so that he could get some, some Holy Spirit power. Trying to heal some people and he's trying to write a check so that he can make it happen. But the point of the story is this, that the Holy Spirit is a person we grow in relationship with. The Holy Spirit is not a force that we acquire. The Holy Spirit is a person we grow in a relationship with, not a force that we acquire. How incredible is that? How incredible is the fact that God in His graciousness decided that the Spirit, that His Spirit, the Helper, that He would leave us would not be some kind of mysterious force that we have to try and capture or, or obtain or wield, but the Holy Spirit, His personal presence could be a person that we could intimately know and have relationship with. This is good news. This is incredible. The Holy Spirit, He's a person, not a force. And because the Holy Spirit is a person, 
There's a relational journey that we need to go on with him, that we're meant to go on with him. A relational journey where relational principles apply. You might be sitting there thinking, okay, if the Holy Spirit's a person, how do, how do I get to know him? My suggestion would be to you, you get to know him the same way that you get to know other people. The same way all, all other relationships are built. And if I could break it down, kind of two things that I would say just to simplify it. How can you build a relationship with Holy Spirit? Time and trust. Time with him and trust in him. Isn't that how we build relationships with other people? Time and trust. You know, I think maybe there's some of you here today where you, you maybe grew up in environments where, you know, church environments where the Holy Spirit was never even brought up or, you know, you, you've never even heard of, of the Holy Spirit or he's intimidating. My encouragement to you today would be just spend some time with him. Just get some t- spend some time getting to know him. This is a great start. You're, you're, you're getting to know him a little bit today. Man, dive into the scriptures. Just begin to ask God, hey God, just help me, t- help me to get to know the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I just want to get to know you a bit better. Spend some time with him. But then on maybe the other side of the spectrum, maybe you've been in environments where the Holy Spirit has been treated as a force. And it almost feels as though he was wielded and he caused more harm than good and, and, and people were hurt. And man, man, can, I, can I maybe encourage you? Trust him again. Trust the Holy Spirit. Don't give up on him. You too, continue to get to know him. Continue to spend time with him, but continue to put your trust in him. Continue to seek him. Continue to get to know his voice. Time and trust can help us grow our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The reason this is so important is because if we merely view the Holy Spirit as a force and not as a person that we grow in relationship with, a few things will happen. First off, it will hinder our worship. This is a problem. He is the Holy Spirit. As we started off saying, He's co-equal with God. He's co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. And He's worthy of our attention and our admiration and of our praise. And the other thing is that it will not only hinder our worship, it'll also hinder this relationship that we're trying to build with Him. This is equally a problem. This makes it easy for us to kind of keep Him at an arm's length, to stay in the shallow end, so to speak. But man, can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit did not keep us at an arm's length. The Holy Spirit did not stay in the shallow end of this relationship. God sent him as a personal person that desires a relationship with us. And he desired it so much that the Holy Spirit came close. And that's number three if you're taking notes. The Holy Spirit, our our divine helper, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who is a person, came close. All throughout scriptures, there are signposts pointing to a day when everyone would have a close and personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Joel chapter 2 says, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This verse is hilarious. Uh, I, I've heard people, you know, uh, as a, I love church jokes. I'm a church kid. 
when I say I love church jokes, it's not that I necessarily find them funny, but the fact that we think they're funny is funny in itself. Um, but, you know, it says your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. So if you're trying to figure out how old somebody is, maybe you're single, you're trying to, you know, vibe check, see where they're at, just ask them, you know, do you, do you dream dreams? Do you dream dreams or do you, uh, do you see visions? Which one of the two? And then, you know, you don't have to go to Instagram, you don't have to seek, you know, look for it on Facebook. Be like, okay, cool. We, we, we can continue to be friends. I love that verse. That was a total side check. I'm so glad you stuck with me. All throughout this, the Bible, there are verses just like this, though. There are prophecies just like this, pointing towards a day when the Holy Spirit would be available to all people. For centuries, the Spirit, He was at work doing lots of incredible things. But He would come down and rest on certain people at certain times. But the Scriptures are clear that a day was coming that the Holy Spirit would show up in a way that was different. And we see this culminate in Acts chapter 2. Jesus has just risen from the grave in the, in the biblical story. And before He ascended to heaven, He told all of His followers, the people that had stuck with Him, He told all of His followers to go and wait for the Spirit, the Helper, the Advocate to show up. So in faith, this group gets together. They go to an upstairs apartment and they wait and they begin to seek God. And it says this in Acts chapter 2, When the day of Pentecost arrived, They were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I want us to focus in on that word filled because it reveals something really powerful and really important that I don't want us to miss. The Holy Spirit came close and He came so close that He now dwells on the inside of every believer. Think about that, He came, how how close did He come? So close that He's on the inside of us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Romans 8. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Are you catching this? We can't let this pass us by just because we maybe heard it before. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, co-equal with God the Father and God the Son, the one whom Jesus said that it would be better for Him to be here than for me to be here, loves us enough and desired relationship with us so much that not only did He come close, but He came so close that He chose to make His home within us. And man, let, let me make it so clear that the Holy Spirit lives in the heart of every believer. It doesn't matter if you're a man, a woman, black or white, Pentecostal or Anglican. The Holy Spirit lives in the heart of every believer. If Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death, we just read this, let me read it again. Because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead also will give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. 
It's by the renewing work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us that we're saved in the first place. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you. He came close and he came so close that he's on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit. I want to make it clear. The Holy Spirit is not for an elect few. The Holy Spirit is for you. And you. And you. I'm imagining myself looking, looking at a crowd. I'm looking at a big group of people. People of different, from different backgrounds with different amounts of money in their bank account. Different levels of hurt and brokenness in their life. The Holy Spirit is for you. They're for you. They're for you. And the Holy Spirit is for me. The Holy Spirit is not just for an elect few. Holy Spirit is for you, for the single mom, for the broke college student, for the new believer, for the church kid. The Holy Spirit, who the Scripture calls the helper and the advocate, He's for you. He wants to dwell on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit, who gives assurance of salvation, who speaks to the believer, who enables us to speak in unknown languages by His baptism. I'm going to leave that one for Levi or Nadia who opens our understanding to the things of God, who teaches us and leads us into all truth, who imparts life, who brings about renewal, who strengthens the believer's inner being, enables and helps the believer to pray, who helps us in our weakness, enables us to worship in spirit and in truth, who leads us, enables us to put fleshly deeds to death, who produces Christ-likeness in character and fruit in the believer's life, who gives us calling for special service, who guides us into our ministry, who empowers us to be a witness who imparts spiritual gifts who formed the church on the day of Pentecost and baptized the living members into a spiritual family and body and on the last day will bring about resurrection and immortality to our bodies the Holy Spirit has come close the Holy Spirit is here he's arrived on the scene and he's dwelling on the inside of you and he wants to have relationship with you. This isn't a theological argument, but a relational fact. We don't have to go to a temple to gain some kind of secret knowledge or pay for it. The Holy Spirit has come close, so close. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's temple, his dream home, his fixer-upper, it's you and it's I. As we close, I want to share the story of a time where the Spirit came close. It was about 2,000 years ago, and the person that he came close to was a girl named Mary. And to this betrothed teenager, an angel showed up with some news. In Luke chapter 1, it says, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high God. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary? asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the son of God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me 
be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. May your word to me be fulfilled. Just months later, Mary would find herself in a manger alongside the newly born Savior of the world who just spent nine months in her womb. And the text says that it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that Mary became pregnant. My question today is, what if God wants to birth something new in us by the power of His Spirit? What if there's something fresh that God is looking to do in and through you? What if going into this next year, we got pregnant with some purpose? What if this next year we got pregnant with some vision? What if we got pregnant with some joy, with some peace? I believe that as we begin to engage and build relationship and grow our relationship with the Holy Spirit, as we spend time with Him and as we grow in our trust with Him, I believe that as we do these things and have Mary's may your word to me be fulfilled faith that we will begin to experience God's impregnating power. The Holy Spirit, he is co-equal with God the Father and Jesus the Son. He's worthy of our attention, our admiration, of our worship. The Holy Spirit is divine. The Holy Spirit is a person that we grow in a relationship with, not a force that we acquire. We build that relationship through time and trust. And the Holy Spirit, man, the good news, the good news is that he came close. You know, this past week, I was talking to Isaac. And I was talking to Isaac about how um, before we moved to Ottawa in kind of the last couple months, everybody talks about Ottawa winters and they're like, look out, get ready. You know, snow banks go up to here all the time. I'm like, okay. But I have off-season tires on my, fine, uh, on my car, and I'm like, oh, off-season tires, like, I'll be totally fine. <laughs> and then it snowed. I was like, oh, maybe not. Oh. I thought that they'd be okay. I thought I could go with the all-seasons, but I'm realizing there's a better option available. Living in relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's a better option. Billy Graham one of the great evangelists of all time, said this, everywhere I go, I find that godly people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not at all what they expected. They often have recurring defeat in their life. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The desperate need of a generation today is men and women that possess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan says this, I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I want people to look at my life and know that I couldn't be doing this in my own power. I want to live in such a way that I am desperate enough for him, that I am desperate for him to come through. That if he doesn't come through, I am screwed. He said it, not me. The Holy Spirit, he desires relationship with you. But maybe you're here today and, and maybe just the starting point is a relationship with Jesus. The good news, the gospel, the story of the Bible is that God sent his son Jesus. Jesus came close as we talked about last week to live a perfect life here on earth 
and then to die a brutal death in our place to offer us the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. It was a free gift of grace that you can't earn by good works. It's not like Simon trying to buy the power. No, no, no. It's a free gift. He loved you so much that he laid down his life. In Romans 10, it, it, it just it makes it so plain, so clear that all you have to do, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So today, hey friend, if that's you, I'd love to pray with you. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus or you veered off course, I'd, I'd love for, for you just to, to pray this prayer along with me. Just close your eyes and, and just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I need you. I've fallen short time and time again, and I recognize that I need you to be Lord of my life. I thank you for your finished work on the cross and the new life that I get because of it. I commit my life to you. I love you. Amen. Amen. Hey, in the chat, can we just celebrate everybody that just made that decision? Hey, if you did make that decision, there's going to be an option just to, to ba basically have someone follow up with you right now. We're just so excited for you. And for all of us here, no matter if we prayed that prayer or we've heard that prayer prayed a million times, two more verses and then we're done. John 7, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this, this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said about the Spirit. In Revelation chapter 22, last chapter of the Bible, we read this earlier. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears it say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Jesus made it so simple. If we desire more of the Holy Spirit, if we desire a closer relationship with Him, all we have to do is go to the feet of Jesus and ask. And I believe that something will begin to bubble on the inside of us from deep within, and the Spirit will begin to flow and change our lives in a new way. So Jesus, we all come to you. We come to your feet. And we say we desire a more intimate, more real, more authentic, more power-charged relationship with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we praise you because you are, you are God, you are divine, you are worthy. We thank you that you are personal, that you want a relationship with us. And we thank you that you came so close, so close that you made your home in our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you come and meet us today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.